podcasting from the secret location inside their own home so two little children and a golden doodle won't become special guests. This is the Teach Piano Today Show, a weekly podcast helping teachers discover the secrets to piano teaching success and giving them the strength and courage to shout from the mountaintops, Yes, this is my real job! Real job! And now, here are your hosts, Andrea and Trevor Dow. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Teach Piano Today podcast. As piano teachers, we are always on the lookout for methods and ideas that we can add to our studios to assist our students. But have you heard of the Alexander Technique? Today, we're chatting with an expert who will give us some insights on what the Alexander Technique is all about and why some piano teachers have found it to be very beneficial to their students. Robert Rickover is an Alexander Technique teacher who splits his time between Lincoln, Nebraska and Toronto, Canada. Not only does he hold degrees in physics and economics from Yale and MIT, but he also graduated from the School of Alexander Studies in London, England in 1981, where he also served on the faculty. He studied for over 15 years with Master Alexander teacher Marjorie Barstow. He's the author of The Complete Guide to the Alexander Technique, host of the Alexander Technique podcast, and he also runs the biggest source for online Alexander Technique information in the world. Robert works with individuals and groups helping them to move better and identify and lose harmful habits that may cause repetitive strain injuries. So welcome, Robert, and thank you very much for chatting with us today. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So first off, tell us a bit about yourself and how you became involved with the Alexander Technique. Well, I stumbled onto it uh, pretty much by accident. I was working for the Ontario government in Toronto, and uh, I ran into an article about the, a teacher in Toronto and the Alexander Technique, which I had never heard of before. It intrigued me. I eventually went up and had a lesson didn't understand anything about it, but within a couple of days, I was noticing all sorts of interesting things about my body, and over the course of a few weeks, I'd gained almost an inch, and um, my clothes didn't fit, and uh, all sorts of incredible things happened, and so I knew something important was going on. At that point, I had no understanding of what it was. That that's the beginning for me, and eventually I went uh, to to England to train to be a teacher, and I've been teaching since 1981. So, can you define the term Alexander Technique for people who this may be the first time they've heard of this before? Can you mm. just define it for us in a nutshell? Sure, and I I, I should say that every teacher is going to have a slightly different version of that. Right. But uh, to me, it's it's a way to to learn learn about yourself, to learn what, what harmful habits of posture and movement you have, may have picked up over a lifetime, learn to identify them, and learn how to release them and move more freely. So when some people hear this or think of the Alexander Technique, they think of it as being a technique where they learn how to relax. But why mm. is this not the right assumption? Well, the problem is, in my thinking, the problem is with the, with the word relax and what it's come to mean, that most people now, when they say they're relaxing, they're actually collapsing onto themselves uh, in, in a typical, so, say, couch potato pose. 
And so the word originally, I think if, we'd, if we were talking 100 years ago, I'd probably be fine with it. But it's just that in the popular, popular usage of that word, it, it conjures up something that's not at all what we're after. We're not after collapsing or sinking into ourselves. We're after having the appropriate amount of muscular activity for the task at hand. So what, let's talk musicians for a moment, because mm-hmm. Alexander Technique, whenever you read about it, it does mention musicians specifically quite frequently. Um, what are some examples of why musicians seek out the Alexander Technique? Well, I think, I, I, just a bit of personal history here, I am not a musician, but the minute I went to England and became and joined the training course, I was surrounded by musicians. All the training directors of my course were had been professional musicians. And when I got back to Toronto and started teaching, I, I lived right near the Royal Conservatory of Music and uh, University of Toronto Music School. And well over half of all my students were musicians. So uh, I came to understand what life was like for a musician in a way that I never had before, which is the way I see it. Musicians have one of the most difficult um, professions around, physically challenging professions out there. They much more than even athletes, I think, because they are, they are performing the same act, the same movements uh, over and over again, practicing many hours a day, very very demanding schedules. So they're putting a huge demand on their on their body, and not one that's I think recognized enough in the field. There's a sort of an attitude of you just pay, play through the pain, and um, the fact is that a great proportion of all professional musicians are in pain part of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a, serious, a serious issue. So pain is typically the driver of why someone would come for lessons, whether they're musicians or not. And the other reason why musicians are, are drawn to the work is that unlike a lot of professions. I used to work in an office. If I had a a sore neck, it didn't really affect uh, a study I was conducting particularly. It might slow it down slightly, but no one reading it would say, oh, that guy must must have been in pain when he wrote it. Whereas a musician, any physical limitation immediately affects the quality of, of the sound they're producing. So a violinist with stiff shoulders is going to produce a sound that's not as good as if if they weren't stiff. Right. So there's that connection too. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I know obviously there's a lot of variation in terms of teachers and individual situations, but just so people have an idea, the, the Alexander Technique is not um, something that is done to you. It's something that is learned. It's like you keep calling it a lesson. What would a mm-hmm. typical session mm-hmm. for a musician look like? Just give us a, like a, a basic visual so we have an idea of what it would look like. Sure. Well, and I, I want to just reiterate what you said. We, we, we consider ourselves to be teachers. We're not therapists. And the emphasis is always on helping people uh, learn to look after themselves. Right. Uh, that said, we do uh, use our hands as, um, to, uh, to provide some gentle guidance. Uh, 
because what 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 is the often the case is that you can ask someone to do something or think something or have an intention and it's quite likely they'll do something very different at first so it's it's helpful for an alexander teacher to use his or her hands to to help guide a student in a different direction than than might be habitual for them so it's a it's 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 a way of speeding up the the learning process marjorie barstow used to say when she used her hands she was doing the thinking for the student and that was useful but it definitely isn't the ultimate goal of the process so to get back to your question someone comes for a lesson typically um, i would speak talk to them for a while and find out a little bit about what's going on with with them what what it is they're concerned about i would probably work even with the musician i would probably work a bit with them doing some very ordinary activities uh sitting in a chair standing walking that sort of thing so, because those are activities they're going to be doing all the time anyway and i want to use them a bit as frameworks within which to show them some new possibilities some teachers would tend to continue that for quite a few lessons before working with a musician with their instrument i tend to be more application oriented so if 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 uh say a violinist came for me came to me for a first lesson i would ask them to bring their violin and we do a little work on it and over time we might do quite a bit more um i do have a, a not a very good piano in the living room of our house so if a pianist came we would certainly go in there at some point and and uh, explore what habits the student has specifically around the piano um sometimes you'll see someone even as they approach the piano some tensions creeping into their body that are not there at any other time and it's really interesting to notice that and and point it out to the student so in reading as well i think sometimes a misconception is that this is all about fixing posture which um i know from reading and from speaking listening to you speak that that's not um what it is and reading in terms of pianists specifically um mm-hmm. people have sought out the alexander technique to help them with everything from tone production to pedaling and and so i think what you're saying mm-hmm. it's really all about helping people to do what it is they need to do with their bodies in a more effective way so can you just expand on how this technique sure. helps them to be more effective with their body Well just to, just to get back to posture for a second um again there's an example of a word whose meaning has changed over the years uh at one time posture was used as a verb quite frequently and not in a negative way the way it it is now but most people today when when you say the word posture they tend to think of it as some position they should get into a fixed right. position mm-hmm. so it's not that we actually do work with posture but only if you are willing to accept posture being a verb not not a noun it's, right. it's, it's sort of an oversimplified uh, of a view of it in terms of how we work um I think I think most Alexander teachers are pretty keen observers of people and we we're looking for uh patterns of excess tightening 
that accompanies an activity. So someone might be sitting in a chair and you ask them to stand up. And even before they've begun to stand up, you might notice their neck tightening or their shoulders hunching up or their breathing being a bit restricted. And if you can help a student to notice that pattern and help them to have the experience, say, of standing up without doing that, and you might use your hands to help guide them a little bit in, in that way, um, they can, their body will start to pick up on the fact that there is an easier way to do it. And you can supplement that and ultimately help them the most by giving them some very specific self-instructions, very simple, but very profound self-instructions that will help them release those harmful patterns that they have inadvertently added to their everyday activities. And musicians have, the, have that same issue, but often there are some very specific tensions that go with the instrument. And so I think um, something important here is that being an Alexander technique is not something that a piano teacher would learn a little bit about and try to add to their lessons, that this is usually done by a trained practitioner, and then the mm -hmm. piano teacher and the practitioner work in sync with each other. But you did mention when we talked earlier that there are some things that a piano teacher can learn and incorporate into their lessons. Um, what, what are these kinds of things? Like I know some piano teachers right now are listening and they're excited to try this, but what would you suggest um, when it comes to you know, application of it yourself? Well, I, I guess the first thing to say, and, and this would be true for a teacher of anything, piano or any other thing, is that your student is getting a lot of posture and movement cues from you, the teacher. They're, they're watching you, and they are often unconsciously mimicking you. So if you're a piano teacher and you have very, you're very nicely coordinated and move easily, that's going to be a tremendous advantage for your students because that's what's going to be, in a sense, the, a visual part of their lesson. They're going to see you, they're going to observe from that, and they will, they will mimic that in a, in a good way. On the other hand, if you're creating a lot of tension in your body, your students are going are gonna to mimic that. And, of course, that's the same for parents and children. It's true for professors and students. It, it cuts across the board. So the first thing to think about is how well are you using yourself? And maybe if there is an Alexander teacher in your area, you might want to have a few lessons just to – just for – partly for your own sake, but also for, for the sake of your students who are going to be getting a lot of visual cues from you. Um, the others, other things that um, are, I think are very helpful are to introduce your students to some very, very simple anatomy. And there's a branch of the Alexander Technique called body mapping, which is basically learning on yourself where certain key joints are and how they function. And I think a, a piano teacher would do well to study a bit of that themselves. There's some books on the topic. There's a lot of material on the web. It's pretty simple. It's not complicated. For example, um, if you take the example of a, a pianist moving their arms uh, and fingers, it would be very helpful for 
for the student to have an idea of where um, where the joints are in their hands, in their fingers, and where how their wrist functions and how their elbow functions and how their t- uh, how their shoulder girdle attaches to their torso. These are really simple things that can be taught in almost no time and will are are likely to have a pretty immediate effect on a person playing the piano. Another way of getting at that same kind of thing is uh, having a, a little skeleton handy to, sh- to illustrate some of these things, perhaps some anatomical drawings. We're not talking uh, med school anatomy here. We're talking really, I call it kindergarten anatomy. It's anatomy that any kindergarten kid could immediately pick up on. Um, so those are, those are things that, that a piano teacher could employ. I've had a number of students who've, who've taught piano, and uh, they pretty much all get themselves a skeleton and have it handy to show their, show their students how things, how things function in their body as they're playing. So it seems as though the idea of developing awareness is at the core of the Alexander Technique. So specifically, what kind of awareness is this technique focused on, and why is it important? It's an awareness that is missing, I think, in our culture generally. It's an awareness of what we're actually doing in the moment. How are we, when, when say, the phone rings and you jump up to answer it, what are you doing with yourself as you get out of the chair and walk over to the phone? That's not something most people, that, that crosses most people's mind. They just want to answer the phone. But in fact, how you do uh, an activity, if, especially if it's one that you repeat over and over again, kind of imprints itself on your body. And if it's a pattern that's, creating some extra muscular tension, that tension's likely to show up even when you're not uh, doing that activity. So it's, a, it's an awareness of the self and particularly how the self is moving, how, how you're organizing yourself as you do things. And that's a skill. It can be learned. It's not really that hard to learn, but it's it it's not it, it's only the only difficulty is it's not something that most people have ever thought about before. Right. It's not inherently difficult in my experience. And I will say that children, if if children are motivated to learn it, they can pick it up instantly. Um, it's adults who you know, present a little more resistance to, to that. But it's not a hard thing to learn. But you have to, you have to be willing to say, hey, here's something I never thought about before. It could be really important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at noticing it and seeing what I can do about it. So what are some signs of repetitive strain injury that piano teachers can look for in their students? And how would the Alexander Technique be applied in this sort of instance? Well, um, Stiff necks and shoulders, uh, facial tension. Uh, if, if you have a student and they're not really able to move their fingers in the way that you have an idea they should, it could it could very well be that there's a physical limitation caused by excess tension 
in, in their arms and shoulders that has come about from perhaps playing for many hours a day and playing poorly. By, by poorly, I mean playing in a way that's a bit harmful to their, to their body. So I think in general, if you see a student who isn't able to do something that they probably ought to be able to do physically, that, that's a, a bit of a tip-off that there's some, some RSI involved. And a lot of, uh, these days, a lot of people are going to come in with an RSI diagnosis. I mean, it's not that uncommon today, so. And how can, how yeah, say, they say a pianist notices this in their students, how can they go about finding a practitioner in their area if they're interested in getting their student involved in the Alexander Technique? Well, uh, on my website, uh, which is at alexandertechnique.com, there is a, a whole page or a whole set of pages devoted to how to find the teachers sorted out by, by region and by country and by location. So that's the quickest and easiest way okay. to, to find a teacher. There are probably now, I would guess, maybe three, maybe 4,000 teachers around the world there are, most big cities would certainly have some. Uh, where I'm, I'm in the Midwest of the U.S. right now. I'm pretty much the only one around for 100 miles or so. But it, you know, in Toronto, for example, there are probably at least a dozen or so teachers. So it's not, it's not that hard to find one. The other thing is that if you are somewhere where there is no teacher. There's still quite a bit you can do. There's some good resources on that website. And also some teachers work with Skype. Uh, it's not this, quite the same as an as a in-person lesson, but a good teacher can help you quite a bit in that way as well. So there, that's another option. Okay. So just in closing, what would you like piano teachers to know um, most about how the Alexander Technique could impact their students? Mm, that's a big question. <laughs> Uh, what would, would I like them to know most? That there is this body of knowledge out there. It's been around since the late 1890s, really, that can be just incredibly useful for people who are experiencing physical limitations in, in their movement patterns. That, that and, it, and it's, if, if there is a teacher, if you have a teacher that you can... Uh, find in your area, it's not going to take very many lessons for you to have, have an idea that whether this is going to be useful for you or not. Perhaps two or three lessons will be all you'll need to get, a, get some sense of, of what the value of this is. And it can save you a lot of trouble. You know, it can save you as a teacher a lot of trouble and it can save you as a musician uh, a lot of discomfort, and it can enhance your performance. And to me, it seems like it, 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 it would be worth trying. I don't want to say it works for everybody all the time. It's not a universal uh, thing in that sense. But boy, it's helped an awful lot of people over the years, particularly performers and, and including musicians. 
So certainly something that our listeners will want to read more about. Um, we will link to Robert's site in our show notes, but you can find his written guide at his site, alexandertechnique.com, as well as many, many helpful links to his blog and podcast as well. Um, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today, Robert, and introducing this technique to many people who I'm sure haven't heard of it before, um, but I'm sure many people will be very thankful that they have heard of it and um, that they were able to gain some insights from you. So thank you for your time today. Oh, you're most welcome, and thank you for, for having me on your program. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and happy teaching.